Yo, partnership alert, partnership alert, partnership alert. Living Corporate has a partnership with LinkedIn Learning, an American massive open online course provider that provides video courses taught by industry experts across a wide array of subjects. Now, the partnership is because Living Corporate has courses on LinkedIn Learning focused on diversity, equity, inclusion for leaders, career professionals, and anyone really looking to upskill themselves and be better allies. So make sure you check out our courses on LinkedIn Learning by clicking the link in the show notes. And let's just say you don't want to do that. You go to LinkedIn Learning on LinkedIn, search Living Corporate. We'll be right there. All right. Peace. What's up, y'all? It's Zach with Living Corporate, and all right, all right, okay, all right, it's time. I got, I got the news. I've been talking about the news. Excited for y'all to check this out. Excited for y'all to listen. Make sure you're paying attention. Making sure you're subscribed, et cetera, et cetera. I've been saying it for like a month now, right? I'm finally ready to talk about what's going on. All right, I'm finally ready to share with y'all why I'm so excited about living corporate and what we got going on not just the rest of this year but like moving forward right so in a week in a week in a week in a week we are launching something new we are launching something new in a week's time right literally literally in a week right so set your timers and I'm gonna put a link in here for you to subscribe so you can be notified. Be make sure you're ready when it goes live. We're launching something new in a week. All right. No, I'm not gonna tell you what it is. Now nah, you're gonna have to subscribe. You're gonna have to pay attention. You're gonna have to follow us on socials to see what that thing is. But in a week, in a week, it's Liddy out here. All right. I'm not playing. So make sure you're tapped in because in a week. It is going down. All right. I'm serious. Don't play with me. Don't be like, yo, nobody told me. I didn't see this. When did this go up? What happened? Nah, I'm telling you right now, it's going up. All right. And it's going to be stuck when it's up there, too. All right. Um, Listen, I'm really excited about today's episode. Um, Look, I have a lot of people that I engage with and I talk to through social media. And frankly, like, social media continues to be like one of the biggest blessings to me i recognize that it has its myriad of challenges and not but and i can say that it's blessed me that i've been able to connect with so many talent leaders executives etc etc and look um i'm excited about the fact that i was able to have miss haynes who is the vp of talent and dei at the leaf group on living corporate and I'm just really excited about that. I'm thankful for the fact that she was able to make the time um, and I'm honored by uh, by her work and just her authenticity in this space. And so the next thing you're going to hear after the tap in with Tristan is my conversation with her to talk a bit about not just what's happening at the Leaf Group, but just what's going on. That's why we titled this thing. What's going on? You know what I mean? Like what's actually going on? You're looking around. You're seeing DEI teams get cut left and right. 
you're seeing folks uh, seemingly like kind of go back to home base, innovating less, investing less in uh, in things that are risky because you're looking at the market at things that they perceive as risky. It's funny because anything that's related to black and brown people is risky. Yet uh, when you want to innovate and build or like grow new markets, that's where you go first. Anyway, listen, we will talk to you on the other half of this tap in. And uh, I'm looking forward to you checking out this discussion. Talk to you soon. What's going on, Living Corporate? It's Tristan, and I want to thank you for tapping back in with me as I provide some tips and advice for professionals. Today, let's talk about references during a job search. Throughout your job search, you may be asked to provide references. It's important that you understand the point of references, when you should start thinking about them, who to pick, and how to present the information. So let's dive into it. When a potential employer asks you to provide a reference or references, they typically want to speak with a previous employee, coworker, or manager. Many people wonder why references are even requested in the first place. Well, over the past couple of years, various laws have made it difficult for recruiters and hiring managers to get information out of previous employers. So, many companies started requesting references to speak to someone who can vouch for you. It's important to start thinking about who you want to list as a reference towards the beginning of your job search. Most companies will request three references, so that's a safe number to secure. You need to select someone who not only knows you, but can clearly speak to your performance and your potential using a professional lens. They need to be able to provide tangible examples of your work. This means I don't recommend you select parents, other relatives, or friends. You want to pick trusted previous or current coworkers, managers, or clients that will say positive things about their experiences with you and the value you provided. Once you've narrowed down the people, you need to reach out to them to see if they would be willing to even give you a recommendation and speak about your work with potential employers. I cannot stress this enough. Do not, and I mean do not, share people's information without getting their approval first. If they consent, gather their most up-to-date contact information and share the type of role you're looking for or the job description in a copy of your current resume. Instead of taking up space by listing your references on your resume, I suggest you create a references document formatted similarly to your resume. This document would house all of your contacts' names, job titles, their relation to you, email addresses, and phone numbers. This way, when a potential employer asks you to provide references, you have everything ready to go and you don't need to scramble. Finally, don't forget to thank your references for helping you advance your career. This tip was brought to you by Tristan of Layfield Resume Consulting. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Layfield Resume or connect with me, Tristan Layfield, on LinkedIn. Tara, welcome to the show. How you doing? Hey, hey, what's going on, Zach? How are you? I'm doing well. You know what? It's so great to finally connect on the pod and just to see you and hear your voice. I know that we've been following each other for a while. Um, yeah. Narcissistic question, but I'm curious. What prompted yes. you to follow me on Twitter? Um, I, so first and foremost, one of my, um, and she, Aubrey will hear this, but I uh, discovered Aubrey a few years ago, mm -hmm. and Aubrey Branch, and 
I think when she when when she was at Atlassian, and I um, was like, I'm just gonna know everything about this person, like whatever she's saying on social, like whatever. I'm just so gravitated to philosophy and execution, mm. and the people around this person will help me grow as well, right? And so I think social media is a necessary evil, right? I would love to be able to just like go somewhere and read a book, but this is how we also build community, which is really important to me. And so the pleasure that I get out of it is finding community, finding people who help me grow. You were one of these people for sure, where I was just like, I really love what's coming out of this kind of dialogue. And I just want to know more about this person and like what they're doing. Um, and so, yeah. And it was just important for me to, to I, selfishly, I just want to grow. Like, I love it. I love it. And you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's interesting. Cause like, it's interesting. Cause like one, I think that like social media can be like such a really weird, it can be a really weird place where it's like, you mm -hmm. see people and you kind of you you see a part of them and you really think that you know them, but you really haven't gotten to yeah, you really haven't gotten to know them. You see like a very like I mean, again, depending on how you use social media, most times you're seeing like a, a fairly controlled yeah. version mm -hmm. of this person. And frankly, like a, like snapshots of the controlled right. version of this person in over yep. time that they want you to see. And so right. it's it's interesting because like the more like as Living Corporate continues to grow and as I just grow in my career, you know, like the yeah. people like I'll meet um, on socials um, and sometimes, you know, you meet them, you know, you, you like you do like you have a connection like this. You meet them in person. It's like, oh, this, right. is, this wasn't really what I expected. Right. Like what happened to the you that I that you created right. and let me see mm -hmm. online, you know. So right. anyway, I'm yeah. just really excited. The fact that we're actually able to have a, a real conversation. I'm thankful for your work. Thank you for um, being a guest on the show. Let, let's talk a little bit about um, yep. your, your journey, right? You're, you're an executive at the Leaf Group. Um, <laughs> I weird to hear that. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, and, and, and your role, you know, your role, you're the VP of DEI and talent management. And I, I think yep. let's just let's start with the intersection of yeah. talent management, leadership and DEI. Like talk to me about how those things yeah. come together. So I'll even rewind a little bit. Um, yeah. I, so I got a theater degree. I'm a playwright. And um, early on, my professors were like, look, sis, you're not going to make any money doing theater. Like, even if you're on Broadway, you'll still have like other 17 other jobs. And then, you know, and I was like, cool, great. Understand that. What can I do to feed my brain in the meantime, like while I'm doing this and got yeah. into administrative work? really focused on industries that I wanted to be in. Like I worked at Penguin Putnam. I was, you know, at Variety, like all these different kind of like learning and, and, and kind of uh, artistic environments. And even then still faced representation issues. Mm. Like, you know, I've, I, I think I've talked about this before where like one recruiter was like, you'll have to take your braids out because they're not professional. And I was like, well, they're permanent. So we're just going to have to have a problem or I don't know. And so, um, you never lose that, right? Like that, 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 that uphill battle to get the role that fully accepts you, even if you're not in DEI, like DEI is like almost like a recent cat, like a thing, right? Like, but we've always had it. We just like named it. Yeah. So, um, 
I got into talent because I had a mentor that really believed that I had a really good judge of people um, and wanted to pour into me how to, you know, kind of facilitate people getting the roles and matching people for the per the good role for them. Always been an in-house uh, recruiter. And so um, been at Leaf Group, you know, we're the parent company to multiple lifestyle brands that are really exciting, uh, Society6, Well and Good, all these kind of really impactful um, brands that have communities and consumers at the same time. Mm. And so was doing talent. And then the DEI role came up because of, uh, you know, a lot of things like as most companies two years ago, you know, George Floyd gets murdered. Everyone is at home pandemic. People are looking at themselves like, how do we get here? Nobody, you know, everybody has their own different answers. So the role came up. I worked hard to really be qualified for it. I studied, I talked to people, I did my due diligence. It wasn't just because I was already there that they were going to give it to me. So I wanted to be qualified for it. This is when I started getting into the communities that are on Twitter and really digging deep and doing my research. Um, but the, but the philosophy was our inclusion efforts as a company start when the person applies, like the very first intersection or interaction that you have with the candidate and the company is where it should all start. And then that whole process of going through that process of, of, of getting hired and getting to know each other. And then after you're here, retention, how mobility, like all of the different things, we're still in the early infancy. Like we are not far along like other companies and that's fine. I've really learn to temper my own patience, which I think is like the biggest thing. And when I talk to other DEI colleagues, we're all just like, we may just need to slow our roles and discover like, this is the long haul. Like we can't tomorrow be like, you know, flip a switch and be like DEI, good to go. You know, like we're, we're early. Um, so a lot of the things that we've been doing is really looking at data metrics, which Again, thanks to Culture Amp, I fall in love with now. I understand data. Was not a math person in any of my schooling at all. Yeah. So, like, this is a whole new thing for me. But like, now that it's learning how to tell the story is really important. Um, and then continuing on, like, filling in gaps, educational gaps. I do believe we don't all have uniform education. So the challenge is that we're all working together and don't know enough about each other in order to facilitate all of the innovation and creativity that leaders expect when you're talking about DEI and culture and whatever all that is. You know, we got to We got to we, we have a little bit of work to do there. So that's where we are in our whole journey and um, really excited about it. You know, it's. <sighs> It's interesting you talk about like that work starts like at the very, the very initial point of engagement, right? Like the yeah. the work around like just the work of DEI and like engaging talent. I mean, it's curious because like, um, you know, you think about like the concept of employee experience. Right. Um, I think some people still see like diversity and inclusion as like this separate kind of like right. cute nugget on the shelf of employee experience, yeah. but that's not really employee experience. It's like, no, like DEI is relevant, like making sure that folks are included and they're being right. treated equitably. And frankly, that they have a diverse, they have a diverse um, yes. experience as it pertains to just like what they're able to learn, the people they're able to talk to. Like that's right. important for everybody, not just black and brown people. It's important for all employees. Correct, correct. And I think, um, 
And I say this all the time, like DEI is not just like the fun, cool, like social events where we have our, and we do have those, right? but it's also like the really hard, challenging parts where you look at like how, you know, your own preconceived notions are preventing that access and that inclusion. And like, you can't come in with your own built-in story, no matter what your background is, like, cause we all have like a built-in story. Can you break those down so that you do actually achieve the environment that you say you want, right? I think that's really such an important thing. And so there's hard work to do that you have to be open to doing. Like I, when I was in um, college, I took a, a class called The Whiteness of Blackness. Mm. I, went to a, I went to a really like, I went to Eugene Lang, part of the new school. So definitely like nerd alert, like kind of school. But um, this, the class was about like the whiteness of blackness was a literary class about like the Harlem Renaissance. So we studied Nella Larson, Hannah Passing. And so our professor at the time, Gary Lemons said to this, you know, very liberal mixed group of 12, what privileges are you willing to get, give up so that everyone has equal access, right? All of you. And so like, those are the things you talk about to a freshman, sophomore college class. And that really resonated with me because he wasn't just talking to like the white students. He was just talking about all of us. All of us have a level of privilege that may be preventing another person from having the same experience that they should be having with us. Right. Like, mm. so it, it just a lot of things like you when you plant the seed and you think about like how you got to where you are. There were a lot of a lot of little nuggets that helped me, I think, grow and think about things in this way. You know, um, I, I didn't, you, know, you and I did not talk before this, so I'm going to ask this question. <laughs> right. Uh, talk to me about your relationship with human resources as a DEI professional at the LEAF Group. What does that look like? So it's interesting. I do not, um, I'm not part of HR. Um, mm-hmm. I uh, right now report into the chief administrative officer who also has other departments. Mm-hmm. Um so talent and DEI are separate. We definitely have a people team. Work very closely with them, just as closely as I do with FPNA and like other, you know what I mean? Like other mm-hmm. teams. Um, my goal for this role is to be more in simpatico with multiple other departments, um, doing a little bit of work with each of the different departments on vision statements and goals and KPIs as it relates to integrating DEI. Like I don't want to be, like you said, that separate on the shelf kind of like book that you pull out when you're like, okay, so <laughs> I think there's a spell or a recipe for this right. if that's what you're looking for. But I want it to be mine. Uh, it, it, it should be like my goal. I would love for it to just be part of that day-to-day operations. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're working towards. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Like we've, you know, I've, we have several folks on, as you know, and like we talk about each other. I think I just, you and I just, the other day we were looking, I think I shared some article, right, about like oh. role of HR and like, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so curious, right? Like I think it's, and I was, and I was, cause my follow-up question was going to be who, like, what's the reporting structure? I don't yeah. think that, I think that if like you, if I was ever to like leave my current role and like, let's say I wanted to continue and like take a DEI role, like a chief or a, yeah. like, a, like an executive role, if I report, yeah. if I saw that it didn't report to the COO or the CEO, that would be a flag for me. 
I agree with you. And I think it's really challenging. And so I've had this conversation with like other HR people. Yeah. And I think one of the challenging things I think that we all need to kind of embrace is that there's traumas that have been in our, in, enacted from t- traditional and I'm not saying all, because I do not believe it's all, because there are a lot of HR people out there who are like breaking down doors and creating 100%. spaces. Hundred percent. But there are they have a lot of work to do to overcome the reputation of those who really prevented a lot of access and did harms and traumas. And so it's going to take some time, but there are a lot of people who just you know, you could be the best HR person, but if the, some other person pre you have scarred them, that is going to be a while. And so like DEI would be no exception. Like people, you know, there has to be this level of trust, especially when you're talking about DEI and all these different things. Like, how can I really show up to be myself if I, ha- if it's under HR and I had this really traumatic experience two jobs ago where this person like, did not have my best interest at heart. Cause I, I think there was a whole Twitter storm at some point where somebody was talking about like HR is just for the company. And I feel like mm-hmm. there are some that are like that, but I know so many people who are like people first for real, right. like to the point where they do have these behind the scenes conversations with other, you know, other executives and not at leaf group, but in general to advocate and go above and beyond. But like, right. you have to hear a lot more of those stories and those that that time is really going to be important in, in overcoming those kind of perceptions. You know, let's talk a little bit about like, you know, you've been, you're grown, right? Ty, like you've been, you've been moving around <laughs> yeah, you are grown. grown. You're grown. Yeah. Like, let's talk a little bit about like, you know, you've been in, in these spaces doing your thing. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about some of like your biggest pet peeves of like, of just like being an executive doing DEI work? Like, what are some of the things you're like, oh man, if I could change this one thing, I promise. I really feel like people need to, um, we're in such the infancy stage about what we're all trying to achieve. And my own impatience comes where I feel like communication is not, like we're not on the same page, even though you feel like you're, you're saying the thing because past traumas and other situations, people still hear something differently. And I don't think there's a difference between executive and non-executive. I'm talking like across an organization, like people are still themselves. One of the most amazing things I think, and one of the reasons why I also took this kind of role is like a couple of years ago, I heard Michelle Kim at a culture summit in San Francisco. And she really hit home when she said, you know, your people can't compartmentalize what's going on in the world at work. And you should not expect them to. They are still who they are. And if they're affected by, you know, an, um, violence or, um, you know, um, um, war or, you know, abortion rights or anything like that, how do you expect them to work on that presentation if they are literally, literally sitting there just like going through traumas? And so, trying to push an, uh, your project along with all of these different things happening to people. My, it's, and it's a long-winded answer, but my really, it's not a person, it's about a thing like where it's like, something's always gonna be happening, so how can we work collectively together to feel like we're actually making change? And I want people to feel like 
they're comfortable enough to speak about these things so that we can push forward. I think there's a lot of fear and a lot of like people who are from old school environments where you don't talk about who you are and that prevents a lot of the progress I think that we um, would like to see because everything is connected. And yeah. that's the thing is like, I guess the long, the long and the short of it is that my pet peeve is that people do not see that everything is connected. Yeah, like the lack of like systems thinking um, yeah. is problematic. And I think it like, you know, some of it also just comes from just like just not slowing down enough. I think like we talk about um, yeah. the past year or so, I've been talking more explicitly about like just like this hyper capitalistic, late stage capitalist uh, culture yes. that we're in where like everything is focused on production and yeah. this like um, manufactured sense of urgency to do everything. Yes right now yes, uh, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> not right now we're like literally like yesterday it's too late today right you know right i mean like i'm curious like as you you see you also brought up you also brought up um abortion rights and um yeah. and the fact that like you know that we're regressing that we're regressing into um limiting uh women's people uh people's yeah. choices to uh, yeah. to, to take to make decisions around their own bodies. I'm curious, yeah. like, what is the Leaf Group doing in that regard as it pertains to their employees? Like, you see Amazon, they're having they're doing some benefits, and there's other companies out there like willing to cover costs and pay. Like, what is yeah. the Leaf Group doing as a response? Or like, is what's in? Is there anything in pro process or um, in planning right. to to do? So the thing about it is that we are we are 400 people globally. We're not mm. in any of the areas right now that are affected. So we're a smaller company. Mm. We do have an ERG that is women focused where we did have a conversation about it. We shared resources. We resurfaced our benefits that definitely are friendly in terms of that. But like it's a conversation that needs to be had because we're not yet at that place where we have people who that I know of, right? Also, because people aren't like divulging, but are directly affected. But I think if you're a larger company, which I love, is like you should be able to stand on the benefits and the per and the and the resources that you have to extend. I'm actually happy to see a lot of these companies. And normally, and I'm surprised actually. I don't know. I'm gonna surprise like in a good way. I don't know why I'm always like, oh boy, I feel like the rate of we're regressing as a society already, I almost don't expect. Right. Like, oh, at some point, <laughs> you know well, what I no, mean? I mean like, it's, it's reasonable. Like, yeah, I hear you. Yes. Right. Yeah. So when the, so when those, those statements come out, I think, wow. Okay. So maybe we do like have a shot at this. I don't know. Like, and then something else happened. I don't know. Like I just keep going up and down, but the long story short of it is we as a company share resources, but have not directly had to do actually do something directly that I know of. Yeah. So yeah. 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 That's helpful. I mean, I think, and, and I think it's also important that like, you know, what you do is relevant and relevant and meaningful to the, to your organization. Right. Like so many times I feel like, you know, the organizations who go, well, what's everybody else doing? It's like, well, like yeah okay and but and, but we all do that right it's just very much so yeah. follow the leader which is like why um i always appreciate orgs we're like no like i don't really care we don't right. care what other orgs are doing you know we talk to our experts our leaders and here's what we believe is the best thing to do and here's what we're going to do and then if if that doesn't work or if that if there ends up being something better that we can do then we'll do that but i'm not waiting yeah. on how i can serve the right. needs of my employees so like that's really dope 
Um, if you really people first know that it will come with the challenges of actually having to be uncomfortable with putting people first and 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 really going about like and it's not just about like the benefits and things that you share but also like how you can best support them i think every leader has had that challenge where just like okay this is the crunch time like what does this look like for you and so yeah i i 100 I agree with you it just is really something that you have to put on the line you know i'm i'm also curious um you know as we look at like just like the shifting political landscape and yeah. really just like just like i believe that like the dei like the the fervor that that came with, with george floyd's murder a couple years ago yeah. that fervor has definitely uh waned um yeah. i'm curious like what do you see as like the future of of like the diversity equity inclusion role this is such a good point because i get so many people who reach out and they're like i would like to be in diversity inclusion and i think aubrey actually wrote a blog is like are you really sure you want to do this <laughs> right like this is really what this means and i think people should know that it is a very hard role like my my role with talent and dei i'm like this is a very stressful time for me like hiring is like bananas right now and dei is bananas right now so um what I hope is that it gets integrated into businesses where maybe you don't even know that there's a DEI thing. Like it's really, um, you know, one of my um, friends, Kara Allen, is the chief impact officer at the San Antonio Spurs. Mm. So, and it's a new role, chief impact officer. When she told me that she had, I was like, chief impact officer, which means impact is threaded within the organization throughout, right? So it's, there isn't even like a DEI like language in there. It really is mm. about impact. That I hope is where we're going because that is an actionable item. Like impact is something that you can look at. It's got metrics. It's got, you know, connection across the organization. You have goals, you have KPIs. And it's, it's, a, it's a way to really just kind of see if you're doing the right thing. So that's what I hope. Um, I think a lot of organizations that said that they needed a DEI person will have to look inward and feel like, what is our why? Like, I believe like everything I do starts with why am I doing this? Because it will not always be fun. And so in the challenging times, I really need to understand why I set out to do this in the first place. And I think organizations are going to have to do the same thing because it will not always be easy for them. And like, so are you really just looking to level set certain areas? Um, you know, is somebody going to be able to be a DEI professional for 30 years? Like, what does that look like in terms of goals and KPIs? I don't, I, it, it's kind of up in the air right now, but it is, I think what you're right, like that fervor, which almost like I did not love in general because it was like, so many things are happening while we were at home in a pandemic, like so many things, like so many trends and things and black boxes and, you know, all of that stuff. You just want to make impact at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, I see I I ask because like I'm looking around and I, I'm curious about like this um, around like ESG and like yeah. I wonder if like so my th I have a theory. What's your theory? So my theory is that like. 
that DEI as a function is going to, it's not going to ever go all the way away, but it's going to right. be deprioritized and that ESG will be the new umbrella yeah. and then that yeah. DEI will fit in the S of that. Yeah. And so like, I'm really curious about like, and not today, but like, let's say it's 2022, but like 2026, 2027, like I really yeah. believe fundamentally that, that that space, like the persona of that space will yeah. change. And yeah. that to your point around like the business integration and like really, it's not, a, again, I don't want to say de-emphasizing, but I do believe, I don't, I do believe we're trending in a, in a direction where corporately, I, uh, socially, I, I think it's the exact opposite, but corporately right. where it's going to be more focused on leadership, again, like governance in terms of like org structure yeah. and design and mm -hmm. environmental um, sustainability and things of that nature. And then, yeah. and then, yeah, like, again, like the people aspect will, there'll be some DEI stuff, but it'll be framed more from a, the lens of, um, sustainability, sustainability and, and experience and mm -hmm. tied to like, like KPIs around that, like really like uh, tied to KPIs that would intimate some level of like um, business performance rather mm -hmm. than like, oh, like, hey, you just need to feel like you belong. Like, I don't think that that's like the future. No, I don't think feeling like you belong is like a measurable. I think for me, I think what you're looking at, like when I say everything is connected. So for example, when I look at data, I'm looking at our employee engagement survey. I'm looking at onboarding and exit survey data. I look at candidate experience data, demographic data, and I look at it all and I just try to tell the story of us like this is our story, right? Like these are all nothing is separate. And I think What's interesting for me is I almost wonder if ESG is going to be like that fervor will die down in three years and will be there be something else that we will then kind of because we couldn't even imagine. Right. Right. ESG a couple of years ago. Right. And so mm. now as we start looking at like hybrid work, remote work, um, it's hard to tell like what the other trend is going to be, because I think everyone is trying to figure out you know, how do we, like that Airbnb article, um, re-examining workplace itself, like mm. what is a workplace? Mm. So if you're talking about ESG and sustainability and DEI, like we are, now, we are moving away from the physical space itself and trying to talk about like, how do we exist within a company and what does a company mean? Yeah. And like all these different thing conversations where, um, we have to be prepared to shed a lot of what we thought was really important yesterday Word. and figure out what's what's important for tomorrow. Man, like you're right too. Cause like to your point, like how we've de historically defined work is like radically changing. And I do believe that like this next generation of worker is going to continue to push that. Yep. Like it's going to, it's like a, it's like a, they will not stop with what what they have experienced right now. And I do think there are a lot of traditional business people who are trying to use tried and true methods about the economy and like the direction. And we've seen this before. And I'm like, have we, though, because a pandemic mixed with social justice, war, um, you know, bodily rights all happening in 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 
coexisting at this one time right. is like, uh, I don't know what's going to happen next at all. Like, I just know that there are people who are starting their job for the first time and it's been remote and they like it or they don't like it or they, you know what I mean? Like, and they know how to interact with people. They don't, I don't know. Like what will be our, like, we always say this, like, what's the new normal, but there is no normal. You know, it's interesting because like, yeah, you're right. I, you know, we're talking about ESG today, but like, who knows? And like, and I also think the world is rapidly shifting and changing so aggressively Yes. Every minute. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Well, look, let's, first of all, it's been a great conversation. I think we could talk all day. Let me ask you this, though, before I let you go, yes. give me a few mm-hmm. things you're excited about as you think about the the Leaf Group and like, you know, it's it's been it's been less than two years. Yeah. Um, but talk to me what you're excited about. So a couple of things um, I'm really so, you know, one of the things that I launched while we were we we when I started this job was something called Escalara, which is a micro learning DEI platform that we do in conjunction with our events and our conversations. But it allows people from a micro learning perspective to go through like learnings and they're continuous. And I think that has been super exciting for us because it's a young company and it matches my whole goal of like being actionable in your DEI efforts and not just being like, it's the right thing to do. (laughs) My gut says it's the right thing to do, but it's also like, how do you actually take this, you know, and, and, and educate yourself on a, on a way that helps other people in the workplace because we're all busy too, right? And so that's continuous. I'm excited about that. Um, we recently were acquired by Graham Holdings, which is, you know, Catherine Graham from the Washington Post company, and they have Kaplan and Slate and all these other amazing companies. And I recently became the chair of the DEI council for all of their companies. And, you know, what's been exciting for me is that they have such an eclectic group of companies. So I am talking to people people who are trying to figure out DEI from a restaurant standpoint, from Mm. a car dealership standpoint, Mm. from Kaplan and seeing like what they're doing from a global standpoint. Like I love, like I said, I started this off talking about community and how we learn from each other. And because nobody, I think that the hidden secret of DEI is that most people do not know how to practically apply what we're all diving deep to learn. Right. Like, okay, I learned all these great things. Okay. So what are you doing? And so being able to talk to the different people in different companies that Graham owns, we're sharing how to practically apply. And we're okay with saying like, I honestly am stuck at this certain place. Can you help me? Like to further the conversation of truly creating diverse and equitable and inclusive environments community is where we all come in and sharing resources and knowledge and not being gatekeepers about like what really works for one company versus the other, which I think sometimes can be the case when we like figure out like we have, you know, there are large companies who pride themselves on their culture because they figured it out and like, then they don't share exactly what that looks like, or sometimes it's not exactly what's happening. So um, removing the boundaries of what it really means to be a, a community that's knowledge sharing is really exciting for me. I am excited about the fact that like what so what's been validated in this conversation um, is my impression around your passion around democratizing information, making things accessible and flat. And so the fact that you're excited about that, like this, again, is more confirmation. I'm really thankful and appreciative of this conversation. Um, You know, I typically try to give also like, you know, in terms of like kind of parting words, like 
uh, as we wrap up is any shout outs that you have, like any space that you just want to like show anybody some love. I mean, I'm going to show all of Leaf Group love because you know what? We have gone through this together, like these past two years of being nearly remote and people really being open. Like I had no idea when I got this role in the middle of the pandemic also, mm. if people were going to be open. The, my very first event was a talkback session with Ava DuVernay's the 13th. And like, hello, what a great way to start. Um, let's just talk about the, <laughs> the inequities of the 13th Amendment and how it affects people. And we had like 80 plus people show up. And since then, with a company of 400 that are globally, most of our events are 200. So that means people are coming in and really curious. And I shout Leaf Group out for being amazingly curious. Um, I shout out Beverly Carmichael, who was my mentor, who was on our board and the one who got me into talent in the first place and has been extremely beneficial to me so far. And obviously like Aubrey, who's I think is great and Michelle Kim, who's amazing. And just all the amazing people I've met, including you on the socials that you know, are willing to share like knowledge. And like I said, giving access to people so that we can all grow because like that's the most important thing tara it's been a pleasure <laughs> i Thank you so much we, you're a friend no of course you're a friend of the show um know that you're welcome back anytime oh this is such a good conversation it's actually quite cathartic to be honest with you because it's really just good to talk to smart people about these things that you know we all struggle with and so 100%. i really appreciate this space well you're appreciated and um i'm excited about um i'm excited about folks hearing this and uh let's talk soon yes please all right catch you later bye and we're back yo thank you so much shout out to the leaf group shout out to everyone who's listening shout out to the team listen like i said in a week in a week it's up. All right. Make sure you're following us on show, show, social, 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 excuse me, y'all social media. All right. Make sure that you're subscribed to our newsletter. Make sure that you're setting your notifications to on Nodi gang, all of that. And uh, yeah, this has been Zach with living corporate. Make sure you give us five stars on Apple podcasts. If you give, if you take the time to go on Apple podcasts, Spotify, uh, good pod, shout out good pods. And you give me four stars for if you give us four stars, yo, I got to look at you like you're a hater. Cause that makes no sense. Why take the time? <laughs> Just give me the five. We earned it right. And give a review. If you want to give us six stars, shout out to Amy C. Wanaga. All right. So until next time, again, this has been Zach. Catch you later. See you in a week. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.